Every great film should seem new every time you see it. Welcome to the Midnight Film Review, episode 66. I am one of your hosts, Colin Smith, and with me, along with the possum, is... Brian Stevens. Yeah. Uh... Get your kicks on Route 66. That's right. Are we get, we're getting our kicks on Route 66. We're, we're going to get something on episode 66. <laughs> Off track, probably. Um, More than likely. Uh, I mean, already. Uh, we've got a great show for you today. We're actually going to switch things up a little bit. We're going to start with some, uh, some listener emails um, and then use that to kind of bridge the gap into open, open discussion. We're going to talk about... Uh, our, our favorite favorite Batman um, slash director <laughs> uh, who had a film come out uh, at the end of last year. You may have heard of it, um, if you, but you probably haven't seen it. Uh, we're going to talk about Sony a little bit, and then we're going to talk about a Splinter Cell movie. Uh, that's right. Ubisoft is going... They're reloading. They're going back for more. They liked... They liked what they did with Assassin's Creed. They felt strong, felt strongly about it. So uh, we're we're uh, we're gonna have a Splinter Cell film come our way probably in 2018, something like that. Something else for them to screw up. Oh man! Again, like uh, we'll talk about it. But somebody maybe maybe a really strong cast and uh, doesn't ever seem to matter at the end of the day. No, it doesn't. Yeah. So. No. Uh, we've we've got uh, a couple of meaty nuggets for open dis- or not for open discussion. <laughs> Media nuggets. <laughs> I I didn't mean to make that a pun. Some meaty <laughs> media nuggets for media hot takes, and we're gonna finish up the episode with a review of Triple X: Return of Xander Cage, who I want to call Xander Cruz, thanks to Frisky Dingo. Uh, spoiler alert! Don't see this movie. Let's just <laughs> spoiler alert. We'll Stop listening now. Throw it out. I mean, as much as I don't want to like direct people away from listening to the rest of the podcast, if you're here to see whether or not you should go for a lighthearted action romp, mm-hmm. trust your instincts. Yeah, just don't. Um, and if you hear barking, the, the, the neighbor's dog, and if by some chance my neighbors listen to this, um, forgive my French, but... Fuck you! <laughs> is the worst dog alive? I have I have a really bad dog. My my dog, uh, which we refer to as the possum, is evil. It's an evil dog. The neighbor's dog is the worst dog. It barks incessantly. They don't ever take it on walks. You walk by the window and it snarls, snarls, snarls and growls and tries to. It's attacked my Great Danes. I'm sorry. I'm. Totally it's, off track. It's run into your house before. Yes, it's 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 just it's it's the worst. So um, if you listen to this, go screw yourself. Anyway, back to the fuck you, Brian Sampers podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk about some emails. Um, yeah. We had a lot of great feedback this week. Um, some regular contributors we heard from we had more than one email that's always super exciting for yes, us yes because we are sad and lonely <laughs> so we heard from drew uh he says hey folks quick question what has been the shittiest theater going experience you've ever had 
This might not be the most interesting of questions, but I feel like you both might have had some good stories to tell. Also, I voted for you in the contest. Woo-hoo! Love me. Thanks, we Drew. Do. Drew, we do love you. Thank, Thank you, you so much for voting for us in the podcast. Um, sadly, the uh, most of the web robots that robo-crawl our show and <laughs> <laughs> prop up our listener count are are not really capable of of voting. It it's sort of uh, they they haven't been programmed to do it. But just uh, um, we'll get back to this in email. Yeah, but you just brought up a good point. I wanted to mention it, and you just reminded me. Uh, we had one of our best months ever. Uh, in the month of January, which is awesome because we missed a week. So um, we had our best month ever, August, because of Stranger Things, honestly. Um, And then um, the last two months have been great. So thanks to all our listeners. I don't don't know... What you're saying is the less you listen to us, the more you like us. Maybe. Which is confusing, but... I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, 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 we've had, we had, uh, I, th- I feel like this contest has helped us out a lot. It's given us a little bit more exposure. So keep voting because I feel like, uh, you know, the exposure is paying off. So if we do win, that's all the more exposure. Yeah. So, uh, by the time this goes live, we might have a day left of voting. Yeah. And if not, then in true Midnight Film Review fashion, we told you. To do something that we didn't do or was impossible, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which par for the course. Always happens. But thank you, Drew. Um, worst theater going experience. Uh, I, I could name a few. I mean, we talked. We had a whole episode early on, uh, yeah. kind of about this. So we're we're both sticklers for uh, theater etiquette, and we're both those people that you don't want to watch a movie with if you're not <laughs> into film. Yeah, like. You know, even watching a movie at home, like my dad always like gets up to do something and I get mad, you know, and I pause, I pause the movie and I wait till he gets back and he'll be like, just play the movie. I'll be like, just come in and watch the goddamn movie. (laughs) If you want to watch it, watch it. That's what I say. You know, uh, I say, you know, the same thing. My dad, it's funny because my dad's the same way. He he has um, bladder issues, so he has to go to the bathroom a lot and uh, I just get so frustrated. (laughs) But uh, I think we both talked a little bit about our theater theater experiences with Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't know if that's the worst theater experience. Um, we yours was certainly worse than mine. We both had small kids in the theater, and there are other people I talked to at work who saw Deadpool and talked about having children in the theater. You know, I think that now now like I'm thinking about it is like it, it's a it's. A comic book movie, and so I don't know how. I mean, some people who don't know, they're like, "Oh, Deadpool! I love the gimmicky look," and you know, maybe they've read some some of the comic books, but maybe not really dove in, didn't really understand what they were getting themselves in for. But it's a rated R movie; you kind of have to figure. I mean, I guess maybe they were just thinking like, "Oh, it's just going to be a little bit of cussing and a lot of violence." Yeah, um, I feel like the. The worst, my worst theater experiences are always when I go to see horror films because they are so reliant on atmosphere uh, to build tension. And when you have a bunch of idiots in the theater with you who are not necessarily even interested in the viewing experience, um, it's, it's impossible it's impossible to build those moments that the, the film needs to be successfully scary. You know, when people are talking or laughing or 
you know, breaking the, the, the silence or the audio, audio cues. Yeah. It's just like, I have so much, I get so angry watching <laughs> I do too. That's the same thing. Um, we, we went to see, was it uh, 13 Hours? 13 Hours. No, we didn't see 13 Hours together. We, we saw some film where there were people talking in the theater the entire time or teenagers or something. Maybe it was just you. Maybe that you don't remember that. Uh, no, it was. What, I forget what movie it was that they were sitting right beside me. It was a horror movie. It was a horror movie. It was a horror movie. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm talking about something else. But yeah. Wow. Um, Blair Witch or Conjuring or Don't Breathe. Uh, <laughs> I feel I, 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 like I don't remember the last oh, time. I it was the it was the the visit. Night Shyamalan's last movie. Uh, okay. There was a row. It was literally an entire row of teenage girls who talked the entire time. And I was by myself. And I stood up and I yelled at them and told them to cut it out. <laughs> like, I... Get off my lawn! Yeah. I, I felt... It'd be different. Like, I, I understand what you're saying. There are times in horror movies where people are annoying, like, talking or saying, yelling at the screen... I, but then there's other times where there's just like they're they're scared they're muffling I yell a lot at, at horror movies it's, it's just the people that aren't invested in the experience actually when I so when I saw Triple X um, for this review there were only like five people in the theater and of course like right as the film starts this row of three bros walks in and sits right in front of me and the biggest one is on his cell phone and I don't even know what he's doing, but his flash went off oh. like five times. But the movie was literally so bad that didn't I didn't really care enough to to bitch at him. Um, you know, I and I don't know. Sometimes it's worse with a packed theater. Like uh, when I went to see, I think it was one of the Hobbit films. Um, you know, I, I yelled at somebody who wouldn't put his phone away. Mm-hmm. Um, a woman, a, yeah, I don't know. I've told the story before. A woman yelled at him first, and he ignored her. And then I yelled at him, and he put his phone away. Uh, I feel like that's a lot easier to do. Like, you yelling at him or me yelling at the kids. Yeah. But when there's, like, somebody who brought their... There's bad parents. It's kind yeah. of hard to give parenting advice in the middle of a movie. Well, I mean... Those, like, that's the worst to me. The kind of person that's going to bring a child to an R-rated film is not going to be receptive to they're already an idiot you know like what are you going to yeah. say to them that's going to make them realize the error of their ways you know yeah nothing right. they're, no, no. they're just it they're just they're a lost cause yeah exactly yeah they're uh something similar happened the opening night of dark knight rises uh my wife and i went and saw it and there was a couple and they had this kid was was two years older, or maybe a little bit older, but it had like a binky in its mouth. Yeah. So it was old enough that like set up, but it was basically like we gotta see this movie opening night, and there ain't nothing gonna stop us from doing it, not even a babysitter. Yep. So that and the kid was actually pretty good throughout the movie, you know, and they were good about it. Like if it got fussy, but they're like it's like. I could hear it shuffling around. It was like two rows up, but I could hear it like shuffling around and walking. Yeah. Because that, that movie's like two and a half hours long, and yeah. you have a two or three year old. What I just. So I have so all right. We've <laughs> it's gonna take us forever to answer this. Yeah. We've we've had some plenty of situations where the other audiences 
the audience members have pissed us off. Yeah. And that's probably, I would say, more than half the time I go to the theater, someone's on their cell phone, somebody's talking, somebody is just a rude, worthless, you know, excuse for a human being. Yeah. The worst theater experiences I've ever had, uh, one of them had to do with the theater staff, where they would not let me serve as the guardian for my younger brother and cousin, <laughs> even though they were both, uh, they were like 15 or 16. Uh, I think they were 16 and I was 19. That's ridiculous. So it's like the three of us want to go see an R-rated movie, get dropped off by my aunt. They won't let us buy tickets. My aunt buys tickets. They won't let us go back because <laughs> so I'm not a guardian, even though we've... So she goes... And ha- she has to like cancel what her plans and see the movie with us because this movie theater was being fucking ridiculous. Um, so that and you know you can't you can't enjoy the movie after no. like you have been hassled like two to three times. And I think she she wanted to leave and then the theater staff was watching us, so she just stayed oh, with us God. the entire time. It, just That's... an awful experience. You're just angry the whole time, uh, and then. Another particularly bad experience was um, <laughs> we we went to see oh, what was it uh, oh I, I can't remember the huge graphic novel adaptation The Watchmen we went to see Watchmen mm. and one of my friends had the flu and started getting sick oh, no. in the, in the oh, no. probably like an hour into this film and like. Like help, like holding a puke bag for him, and he's puking his guts oh, no. out in the middle of the Watchmen. Uh, so that was not a, a pleasant theater experience. Um, so we've I've been in theaters that smelled like pee yes. overwhelmingly. Uh, been, that's been that's that. unpleasant. Uh, I so I have a story, and you just made me think of it when you talked about your aunt. This this isn't necessarily the the worst. Okay, this might have been at, at looking back. Now it's fun to laugh at, but. It was definitely the most terrifying moment of my young life at that point, being in a movie theater. So, my mom, I have, I, my mom was kind of like the cool parent. Um, I went to a, 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 a private Christian school, so a lot of the kids' parents were pretty strict. Uh, but I think I've said this before: my parents have always been all about movies. I I watched Die Hard when I was like seven, so like they didn't really care as long as there was no sex involved. Um, <laughs> That's true. True red blooded Americans, <laughs> ex- right there. Exactly. Uh, so basically what happened was, uh, my friend, uh, my, my, my friend was staying over with me and then another friend of ours was staying with another friend of ours and we like decided to meet at the movies. So we tricked my mom into buying us tickets to see From Dust Till Dawn and we went and saw From Dust Till Dawn. We were about 13 at this time, eighth grade, you know, ish. Well, uh, there was a dollar theater within walking distance not very far at all from where the original theater is in the hometown. And they were showing seven. So when my mom came to pick us up, um, I said, hey, uh, you know, meet us at this dollar theater. Like, I called her on a payphone because there's no cell phones. Called her on a payphone. Hey, meet us at this dollar theater. We want to see another movie, um, but you're going to have to buy the tickets again because it's another R-rated movie. She says, fine. Only problem is... My other friend didn't tell us that he couldn't get a hold of his mom. 
So we're in watching Seven, and we're having the time of our life. Like, this is the best double feature we've ever seen. <laughs> we go to leave the theater, and there are all of our parents and two cops waiting for us. But you, it's not like you sneaked in. They just didn't know where you were? Well, what happened? Yes. Okay. So here's yeah. what happened. The, the, the mom that was supposed to pick up the other group of friends shows up to the movie theater. Her kid is nowhere to be found. He didn't leave a message. He didn't. He just, he called. She didn't answer. Uh, we'll go. She'll figure it out. He didn't want to be the bad person to say, oh, I can't go because, you know, he don't want to be that guy. So she freaks out and calls the cops, who then in turn, through a roundabout wake, find my parents' number and call my parents. My parents tell them where they're at, where we're at. So needless to say, walking out and seeing your parents there with a group of cops, plus... You know, we, we kind of duped my mom a little bit into buying us these tickets. So, yeah. I'll never forget seeing either of those movies with my my friends, but afterwards it was pretty terrifying. Well, it was some bored-ass cops, man. Well, eh, that's a small town. I hope we answered that question. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's move on. So, we heard from Will. Uh, he says, Midnighters, I hope I'm getting this in on time. First off, let me say I loved your review of Split. I left the movie feeling like a little kid. It's been so long since I left a movie and felt that sense of surprise. Uh, while I understood Colin's opinion, I think for those select few who love Unbreakable, it was so special. The movie was made. This movie was made for me, and sometimes that happens. Sometimes movies aren't made for me, and that's okay too. Thanks, Will. It's a valid yeah, point. I think. No, I mean, I, I totally, I totally understand where you're coming from, and I've certainly reacted with that just unsuppressible excitement um it you know it's it's what being what being a fanboy feels like i'm i am familiar with that feeling you know uh so i you know i disagreed i it did not affect me the same way Mm -hmm. but it's totally valid response to the film and i i understand yeah i think uh i think you're being um a good a, a good mediator here because that's a great way to look at it is you know uh, we both felt a certain way about the film. I think we both felt like it was well made and it was a, a good flick. I had a different response to the ending than than Colin, and that's okay. You know, uh, it, it affects everybody. You know, it, it's going. You know, th- there, th- particularly this movie, because it could be so, so. I want to say could make the possum so so angry. Yeah, and the horse <laughs> rattle. Uh, I don't. I just. I guess the way, but it, it can be divisive, you know. I. I can, and I totally get if you don't have any um, affinity for M Night Shyamalan, if you think he's a hack, or you haven't seen some of his other movies, you may not appreciate this the way that I did. So that's a great way to put it, Will. So thank you. You want to read this one? Sure. So this is going to lead into our open discussion, like Colin had mentioned earlier. But um, so Chunk the Punk from Afternoon Yap, our uh, our friend over Afternoon Yap, check out that podcast, Afternoon Yap with Chunk and Dinger, says, "Hey guys, I'm excited to hear your thoughts about Ben Affleck stepping down as director in the new standalone Batman movie." <laughs> He stated that he didn't think he could juggle the impossible task of directing and starring in the movie with such a beloved character. I wonder if the guy was just fired for releasing the first movie that bombed. Either way, I think it's a mistake. What do you guys think? Also, Keaton is having a nice resurgence, and he was 
by far my favorite Batman. Maybe they should just give him the job. Sorry, so sloppy, Chuck Rafferty. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it's I don't know the the timing on this is just so weird. Weird. The thing is, how many of his films has he both starred and directed? A in? lot. All of, All them. of them. Yes. Every single one, right? I mean. He was in Argo, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. So all of them, every single one. This has not been, not been an issue before this film, um, I, and I just, uh, I don't know that, the timing and the fact that this is, if this was unprecedented for him, right? If if he yeah. had never started and directed, then sure, okay, you he stepped up to the plate and then failed, and it's too much for him. But that's not the the case at you all. Know? Yeah, no. In fact, he's been. Su- I mean, with the exception of Live by Night, yeah, which was. I mean, that's kind of what you were referring to earlier. Yes. It's a big. It's a huge flop. It, it lost. Yeah. It lost the studio a lot of money. Yep. And but it's hard for them to say. Be- he's done so right by the studio. You know, Argo won an Oscar. Uh, Gone Baby Gone won an Oscar, or at least was nominated. Um, you know, I, even the town was a huge financial success. So it's it's like they're not. I don't. I don't think they're that silly to just write him off because of one bad film. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, the other thing is, if if this is a quality control issue, then. What is that? I mean, I don't even know how to interpret that. Like, uh, yeah, I what's don't... what has like Warner done so far with with, <laughs> with these films? <laughs> yeah. So you remove Ben Affleck, and now you don't have a director. Um, you know what I think? Honestly, can I just say my yeah. say my opinion? You know what I think? I think that that he honestly battled with the studio, and I think he's like, listen, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna direct a hack job, and. You want to have control over this? That's fine. I'll act in it because he'll apparently act in anything. doesn't really care about acting. But he, I think, if it's going to be his and his vision, I don't believe he really wants to put a stamp on it. And then maybe he w- he felt burned by Live By Night a little bit. So he's looking at this like, my, directs- <clears throat> my next movie directing needs to be something that I am wholeheartedly into. And I don't think that... It- I don't think DC is smart enough to get out of their own way to let him have this property and run with it. I think that is probably the the best explanation I've heard. He's just uh, he's frustrated after Live by Night, and he's not willing to put in the time and effort and put his name on a product that he doesn't get to make work the way he wants to. So I, I'm you know for once I'm ha- I'm happy with that. I think you solved it. Oh, I think boom. we can move on. Drop the mic. No, yeah. really, please don't drop the mic. <laughs> Can't, we can't afford another one. <laughs> yeah. We'll be accidentally talking into into the front of a, a a computer and not realize it for an entire episode again. Yes. Cough, cough. <laughs> well, uh, if you've heard last yeah, episode, if you paid attention. Um, so yeah, uh, there's this movie studio who was thinking of trying to to sell itself off uh, in order to save their parent company and. Uh, we, really, we keep talking about it. You know um, what I really wanted from, from this, and I should have mentioned it, and I know you would have done it, is I really wanted. I don't have a. We need a sound effects board, but <laughs> something that is like duh, 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 breaking news. Sony decides to not sell off. Yeah. 
Extra, extra, yeah. read all about it. Exactly. Sony Pictures Division post $913 million <laughs> loss. Um, oh, that's, and that's not a joke. That's, that's how much they lost. Yeah, um, including a $962 million write-down. Uh, so, you know... Let that sink in for a second, folks. Like, let's just think about that for a second. That is, it, that is an ungodly amount. Basically, they wrote off their entire year. Every like they they basically lost money on every film they made this year, which that is insane. And you can't, I can't imagine. I said this to you off air. I mean, of course they're not going to sell. Nobody's going to buy that. Why would you want to buy anything they have? You mentioned it last. Uh, the last time we talked about it is like. Well, they can't sell off properties the way that other companies do because they don't have anything to sell. Yeah, they. I mean, so you you talked about a couple things. Um, there, I I don't have the article in front of me, but uh, Kazurai, um, basically the the head of Sony Entertainment, um, is moving to California in order to have a more direct role in the day-to-day operations of the pictures, uh, their, the movie studios, any pictures, that, that division, um, which they're not on the, they're not up for sale, but I mean, what, like what, how bad does it have to be for the head of the company to come micromanage yeah, that's, you that's not where you want that's no. not where you want to be Ima- you know ima- put it this way imagine whatever job you, you you are maybe you're a postman maybe you work in an office maybe you work in a kitchen whatever it is imagine that you're just you're really bad at your job or you failed in some way and now your boss is just going to follow you around all day nitpicking what you do because that's basically what's happening he's coming in and they're they said they're not going to fire anybody they're not going to make any layoffs they're not going to let anybody go at this point so basically, he's going to come in and smash some heads and figure out what's going on. My question to you, Colin, is can he really make a difference? Like, what is what is his experience in that world that he thinks he can change? Uh, so they – pers- as, as far as from the – his physical presence there, I don't know. They So Sony has talked about some of their plans to, <laughs> like, st- stabilize this downward spiral um, – so obviously they're trying to find a new CEO for Sony Entertainment mm-hmm. because the current CEO we talked about that is stepping down. Um, so financial discipline is one thing they said. Um, <laughs> leveraging of new intellectual property. Uh, this is the big one. I didn't. Is so is Sony Sony Pictures? Uh, are they the ones who have the rights to the Dark Tower, the Dark Tower film adaptation? Oh, they are. The- because that could be potentially yeah. huge. That is. Uh, Stephen King's most beloved for sure, yeah, work. Um, and something that it has an incredible cult following. I would say something that's been they've been trying to get, to, not necessarily Sony, but Stephen King and many directors and writers have tried to bring to screen for a while. Also, something that is going to be incredibly, incredibly hard and sensitive to adapt. Yes. Um, the fan base is rabid. Yeah. Uh, and I think their expectations are going to be high. Although, you know, casting news, um, uh, we have Idris Elba and Matthew mm-hmm. McConaughey yeah. on board right now. Um, so Dark Tower, that's huge. We didn't take that into account um, when we've talked about this previously. Uh, so the other thing they said is they're looking at expanding their TV channels. Um, 
They're looking at leveraging content from game properties, cough, Uncharted, cough. So we have Uncharted, we have Dark Tower, uh, we have films targeting an Indian market, <laughs> because apparently that's a big developing market. Um, you know, Indian Indian cinema is pretty big, even. No, yeah, you're absolutely even right. Here, uh, but they talk about the. They have 14 titles in the 2017 release schedule. Uh, we've already gotten Resident Evil. <laughs> Great. Uh, Spider-Man in July. Uh, Jumanji in December with The Rock. Which I think that is probably going to be a, a, a hit just because it's The Rock. He, uh, he brings a certain amount of clout to, clout to any movie. We also, and this is not a joke, have a remake of... Flatliners coming out this year, <laughs> starring Nina Dobrev, who you might recognize from Triple X. My favorite part of Triple X, honestly. But. Uh, Diego Luna and Ellen Page. Okay. Uh, sure. That's a. Okay. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This is not not a joke. That's Did a, so, somebody watch um, Pop Star? And they were like. <laughs> Holy shit, we should remake Flatliners. I totally forgot that was a thing. Thank you, Bill Hader. I, I, I just, what? Where did this come from? Who wants to see this? It's it's a weird cult film. Yeah. it's. I love it. I love that movie. But it is, it is 100% 90s. And it is 100% unique to that time period. Because it's a silly movie. It, it fits perfect into those semi-exploitation style horror movies that make very little sense when you think about them but it's fun and you you like it you get to see Kiefer Sutherland and I just what what yeah so uh, so Sony's banking on Flatliners to to save their company I feel like there's some serious uh, serious irony <laughs> in that uh, but anyway I you know they have they also have 14 titles this year 11 titles announced for next year uh, we didn't talk about the Emoji Movie, uh, which is good because anybody <laughs> citing that as a measure of success, of, of, yeah. yeah, of saving your for saving your company, Can, here's is seriously a, diluted. Here's a so uh, this is a serious question, and I don't want to belabor. We can move on uh, because we have something that might be a little bit more fun to talk about. But I I don't so Sony wants to play with the big boys. They want. They want to make the money that Disney's making. They want to make the money that Universal's making. I get that. I understand you want to make money. You, you have you have bills to pay. But at a certain point, if you're not going to just close up shops like MGM did or Columbia, those two were huge, huge production companies that just couldn't make it anymore because of dumb mistakes and... Basically, the mistakes that Sony is making right now, they, those are the mistakes that they made. If, if you want to make this work, why don't you just hire to contract? Contract some of these really good young directors, you know, and say, you have carte blanche. Do what you want. Just take this script, take this idea, run with it. What do you have to lose at that point? I see. I feel like the 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 problem goes way beyond talent. It's just Hollywood. 
the 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 studios their heads are so far up their own asses that they greenlight these films that no could not possibly be good or make money. <laughs> yeah, like Flatliners remake. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does not take a genius to see the writing on the wall for yeah. some of this stuff. You're, you're right. And most of the time, it goes beyond that. You know, uh, obviously, if you take an existing IP. Um, that people aren't excited about and you do the right things with it, it can still be great. It can still generate excitement and generate revenue. But that's that's not what happens. And half the time we are just left baffled at how somebody spent millions of dollars on the pile of shit we are consuming with our eyeballs. Right, yeah, on Ghostbusters. I mean, that's a perfect example. I, I don't... Man, I don't know. It, it's, it has to be a cultural thing because it just... It 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 doesn't make any sense. They're <laughs> the the focus groups are just smoking PCP <laughs> or there's something in the water. But it, it is just it is unbelievable some of the shit that we we end up seeing in theaters that has been passed like so many checks to get <laughs> to where it is. You know, feels like a lot of it's coming from Sony too. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Although. We get examples of it uh, every day. So uh, anyway, yeah. should we move on? Let's let's move it. So we have a little bit of news. We t- we mentioned briefly. We've talked about the Last of Us film adaptation. Um, we've talked about. Wait, that's so- that would be Sony too, right? That would be Sony. Yeah. Okay. Hey, um, sorry. And then building on that, we mentioned that the Uncharted script uh, is finished. Um, or the screenplay, whatever you want to call it. So, Ubisoft, uh, <laughs> who owns Assassin's Creed, is no. not wasting any time, and they are trying to move ahead with a film adaptation of Splinter Cell. Which, okay, that sounds promising on his face. Uh, they really want Tom Hardy for the lead. So do um, I. So he, basically, he got the script, and he said, he gave them... He said maybe yes, something like that. He gave them a bunch of notes. They just finished a rewrite, and they're trying to get him to look over the script again. Um, so the there's a producer attached who I guess is involved in the writing process because he talks about the script. Uh, and it just, like, on paper you say film adaptation of Splinter Cell starring... Tom Hardy as Sam Fisher, you're like, sweet, that yeah, could be good. Yeah. Until you read the interview with this producer who apparently just knows absolutely nothing about Splinter Cell, <laughs> does not understand that it has established characters, like, in it, <laughs> plot lines, and is set in basically very specific contexts. Uh, he doesn't know that it's a third-person action game. He calls it a first-person game. Um, but you want to know what what is really gonna what is really gonna sell it for you? Oh, jeez, here we go. The interviewer asked, "Do you envision this as an R-rated kind of thing?" Oh God, here we go. No, but we're good, definitely gonna make it a and this is a real quote: hard PG thirteen. A hard PG thirteen. <laughs> a hard PG thirteen. <laughs> That's right. They're going. They're just pulling out all the stops. We're get, we're going for that hard PG thirteen rating. It's not not a soft PG thirteen. Well, no, not not a not a soft R, but a hard PG thirteen. You know that 
that's I mean that you know any director who hears that with 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 Splinter Cell attack you got to be thinking I want to I want to direct this. So they they also ask questions about basically the narrative of the film and the producer says he says basically what do you did you look at a real world event to go with what are you digging for towards the story so anyone who has ever read Tom Clancy um, his understanding of basically geopolitics of um, foreign affairs uh, it it was excellent. And his understanding of... He's famous for his use of technology and descriptions of technology yeah. in his writings. But he was always very what-if, real-world based. Um, he famously, before his death, in, in his one of his last novels, predicted the annexation of Crimea um, by Russia, uh, featuring a, a character frighteningly like Vladimir Putin. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the man... All of his all of his fiction was based on scenarios that may, maybe were not probable, but certainly possible. And you know, uh, so the idea that there's like Splinter Cell, they would need to create something new is you know that's dangerous territory because yes. you're not gonna you're not gonna create a scenario that's more clever or interesting or nuanced or plausible than something Tom Clancy already helped create. So they asked, did you guys look at a real world event to go with? What are you digging for towards this story? Uh, And the producer says, it's more what we're digging away from. Obviously the Bond movies and Jason Bourne are Jason Bourne and Bond has a resurgence. We're trying to stay away from those movies in terms of tone, bad guys and settings. What's a world that we haven't seen yet? What's an area in the world and a conflict we haven't really touched upon in movies in a long time to make it feel fresh? Uh, I don't know. How about anything in any of the the (laughs) early established Splinter Cell games? I mean, I just... uh, This is what I'm talking about. Like, So we have a producer. Okay, you don't know anything about the, the world that the IP is leveraging. That's fine. You can be there in a different advisory capacity, but don't go on record in an interview and just make it just totally apparent that you have no investment or understanding of this IP. And then what's the point of it? If you're just going to use something as name recog- for name recognition, right. don't bother. Just write an original screenplay. And it's all this derivative shit. So... You know, I, I was looking because I, I remember there was a, a Splinter Cell game. Um, I don't think it was the first one. Uh, maybe it was the first one, where it was. It wasn't. Was it the first one? Anyways, it wasn't the. Um, there, there wasn't really a, uh, a story behind it. It was more. It was. It was similar to uh, an open field. Battle system, right? Like Battlefield, kind of wasn't wasn't that how the first one was? No, they have all been very. The first three games were pretty similar. Um, they are very slow paced, um, mm-hmm. stealth, stealth oriented action, third person action games. They're they're all fairly linear, if not totally. Linear. Did Tom Clancy have a different another game? 
like that came out in the nineties. Because I remember playing 90s. a game. I, I remember playing a game on a PC, but yeah, my so Rainbow Six and Rainbow Rogue, Six. Rogue Spear, that's those, what I, those were just first person shooters. Yeah, which, that's what I. You know, well, my point was maybe he maybe he was thinking about Rainbow Six. Maybe he got the maybe he got the games confused. I mean. I mean, I'm just trying to figure out like what because if you've played the Splinter Cell games, which I I I enjoyed, I I had the uh, on PS2, I had Splinter Cell, and we played that game all the time. It was so much fun, and I, just the way he describes the game, like the the fact about the story, not to mention that like you mentioned Tom Clancy, Tom Clancy wrote novels, wrote Splinter Cell novels. Like this this isn't there. This is a this is a rich IP that you could draw from. And he seems confused. So that I, I, maybe I could. That I was confused myself. Uh, but maybe he's thinking about Rainbow Six. I don't know. I mean, uh, so the first game is about um, basically a a CIA leak uh, and cyber warfare. Dude, that's um, yes. There you go. Like that. I mean, <laughs> what would be more relevant than than adapting that in some way? Uh, and guess who uh, Sam Fisher works for? The NSA. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. This is just like it. They're not. They're, Hollywood's not even trying. You're not even trying. Why? Why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we have that to look forward. Uh, to some crushing disappointment in 2018. <laughs> um, if Tom Hardy signs off on it, uh, you know, who knows? But the, so he, the weird thing is, may, and maybe the, this producer is just an asshole and he shouldn't be giving this interview. And he I think that's be a the producer. best, that's, I think that's the best case scenario because they already have a script. Yeah, right, exactly. They already have a script. Yeah. If you, like, don't understand these fundamental things about the source material, Either you haven't read the script, or you're an asshole. Uh, so, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm not bitter. No. It's fine. But I think, in my, in my mind, producers um, in general get don't get enough flack for when a movie fails. And it either falls on the studio heads... Or people in, like higher ups in the studio, or the actual talent, and we forget that there's producers like this guy out there who can really muck up a, a production. Well, the the I mean the problem seems to be to me that it's like they're building houses and they're like putting up outside walls without a foundation or a frame. <laughs> yeah, like you yeah. start with the script, yes, or start with a director and a script or a screenwriter. And a director, but start with a foundation, and then build on that. Then bring in producers, then start casting. Yeah. But just I don't know. Anyway, I agree. Well, uh, you know, go go find something to drink because we just fed you a lot of salt. You're probably <laughs> thirsty, and we will be right back with some media hot takes. And we're back with Media Hot Takes, sponsored by the Possum. Pet the Possum, maybe it won't bite you. 
Uh, we've had an eventful day with the possum today. We have. We have. We've uh, we've had a little bit of a, a little bit of a do over. A little ed- editing fun for you. Can't wait. Yay! My favorite thing to do is edit. Mm-hmm. Psych. Well, would you like to start? Yeah, but do the kids still say psych? I don't. I don't think anybody said psych since like 1999. I'm bringing. It, the, I'm bringing it back. Psych. You're I'm bringing be, it back. Psych. You're, you're gonna be salty. When, <laughs> When nobody takes up psych again with you. See what I did there? I see what you did there, Colin. Yeah, all right. So I think we got a couple of great picks because I think they're both things that we enjoyed. Um, my wife and I have uh, – we always look for shows to watch together. There are very few things that um, I like that she likes and very few things that she likes that I like. And she doesn't like a lot of stuff. Including you. Pretty much. Um, you know – she loves Grey's Anatomy. Not gonna watch Grey's Anatomy. Sorry, love you, honey, but not gonna do it. I've tried to get her to watch. You know, I tried to get her to watch Breaking Bad. She's not really. She was never interested. But we found something that combined two things that we love. So my wife, nurse, she loves medical stuff. Me, I just love good TV. <laughs> we started watching The Nick. Um, so those of you who don't know. Nick is a period drama uh, on Cinemax, which makes it kind of hard to get, but I believe that most of the first season is on HBO. Stars Clive Owen as Dr. Thackeray. Has uh, a few names in there that you might recognize, uh, but most of the most people are, are bit actors. Actually, one of the main actors is a African-American doctor who, um, is, I think his last name is Edwards, actually plays Kevin in Moonlight. So he, he's really good. Uh, there'll be familiar faces pop up time to time, but, but mainly this is known for Clive Owen, and then, of course, it is uh, ran and directed and written by Steve Soderbergh, which I'm not a huge Soderbergh fan. Not the, the show, neither am I. The show in general, we are not We're not Steven Soderbergh fans. No, yeah. So. yeah. But this does not feel like anything Soderbergh's ever done, and I mean that wholeheartedly. The surgeries that are performed. This is this is based in, at the Knickerbocker Hospital in 1900. They take some liberties. It's more or less things that were happening at that time. Whether it's at this hospital or another hospital, they kind of bring a lot of the turmoil in New York City to this hospital. So race riots, um, things that were revolutionary in surgery. You know, they they kind of just bring like. All that stuff to you. So that's the fiction part of it. You know, obviously these doctors didn't make every single discovery there was in surgery at this hospital. But so it's a it's a very experimental hospital. So they do a lot of crazy things. A lot of patients die. This show is super gory. The very first scene in the movie is a pregnant woman who's uh, I can't her placenta has ruptured and. Uh, they need to remove the baby and the placenta uh, and hopefully save her life. Up to this point, this surgery had been done and had never been completed uh, with uh, saving both the lives. And they literally show them cutting her stomach open and pulling out this baby. And I'm just, I am shocked. I'm disgusted, but intrigued all at the same time. It is very visceral. This show is in your face. It's unflinching. 
But at the same time, the characters are written so good. It's not all about shock and gore, and even though those are tactics they use, some of the most basic tropes in drama are used. There's drug addiction, there's love affairs, but the way that everything is done, and because it's done in the 1900s, there's an extra twist on it, I feel like. And the acting is so good. Clive Owen is just... He's terrific as Dr. Thackeray, who is kind of... He's the doctor that... He's a typical doctor. He's he's too smart for his own good, but he has his own issues. He's, you know, he's a cocaine addict, which isn't... You know, I'm not giving anything away. It's from the very beginning of the movie. You see him... Or very beginning of the show, he's shooting up uh, cocaine. He's just... He's a maniac who is brilliant, and all he wants to do is save lives and make innovation. And... I highly recommend anyone watch The Nick because I think there's something for almost anyone in it. If you if you can't take gore and you don't like medical dramas, obviously, yeah, I would say shy away. But if you're a Soderbergh fan, you're probably going to enjoy it because there's his aesthetic, his color palette, the way he shoots things is definitely you. Can, it's very obviously Soderbergh. But seeing thing, he's never really done anything that has this level of blood and guts in it and it's not like like I said it's not people aren't being blown up or shot it's surgery but seeing him do this with his cinematography it's just it's I don't know it's really cool so I would recommend it if you can get a hold of the Nick in any way uh, we just finished season one we're about to start season two so check it out all right well continuing my theme of sort of sports related documentaries um I'm going to talk about a little documentary I actually heard of thanks to uh, Reddit. Uh, they, there was a trailer posted, and the documentary is available on Netflix. It's called The Barkley Marathons, The Race That Eats Its Young. Um, and it is, it's a documentary about a strange little ultra marathon held in Tennessee every year, which on... Face value, like I, I could, I don't know anything about running or marathons, much less ultra marathons. I could care less, but it is, it's sort of billed as the most difficult race in the world, um, and not by the people who created it, just uh, in in interviews, in the trailer, uh, watching people talk about it, um, and. There are many years when no one finishes. There were several years uh, before anybody managed to finish the race. Um, and it is, it is just a, uh, it is a strange and fascinating thing. So basically, the race is limited to 40 runners. Um, there is a secret application process. Uh, and then as part of the process, you have to write an essay as to why you should be allowed to run. Um, if, you are, if you are accepted into the race, you receive a letter of condolence um, letting you know that you've been entered. Uh, there are these weird little requirements. Um, you have to bring like a different thing every year uh, depending on what the, the creator of the race once like he had people bringing like t-shirts until he had enough t-shirts and then socks <laughs> and flannel shirts um and you have to bring in a license plate from your home state uh and every year there is a 
a <laughs> it's called a tribute, a sacrifice, uh, oh, where God. he he lets in basically one person who is hopelessly hopelessly underqualified <laughs> um, as sort of a joke for the rest of the people there. Um, but it is a I don't. You know, I, I don't really know about trail running uh, or what it takes, but watching people talk about the race and the reverence they have and just how grueling it is, um, the, it, it's sort of a strange and unbelievable thing. And I guess the idea was to create something so challenging that it basically pushed the limits of what people are, are capable of as far as distance running. So the race is anywhere from 100 to 130 miles long. There is a 60-hour cutoff. Uh, it is a, basically you run a course, um, which is at, at least a 12,000-foot ascent and a 12,000-foot descent, and you run that course five times, three times at day, and two times at night. Uh, it is just... it. It absolutely destroys people. Um, so the documentary shot in 2012, and it's the only year where three people have finished. Um, and also, I guess it's the, the it's it's pretty cool because the year they shoot it, uh, and I don't know if this is really a spoiler, but um, somebody sets a course record. Uh, and also somebody finishes it for the second time ever for the first time. The first time somebody finished it twice. That's pretty cool. Uh, since then, a, a different runner who's featured in the documentary has gone on to finish it a total of three times. Um, but you just watch you just watch people who are dominated by this trail. Uh, <laughs> um, and if you fail, you know, it's a it's a twenty to twenty six mile unmarked loop, so you could fail ten miles in and <laughs> still be hiking another ten miles back uh, to the campsite. Um, so it's just listening to the history of the race and the sort of strange requirements. So there's no there's no modern technology allowed. There's no GPS. You're allowed to have a map and a compass. Um, there's no monitors, like there's no people watching to make sure you stay on course. So to keep everybody honest, every lap you're given a number. There are books that mar sort of are used as way stations, and you have to tear out the page in the book corresponding to your number. So every lap you get a new number, and you have to tear that uh, that page and present X amount of pages mm. every time you finish a loop for it to count. Real quick, I have a question. What yeah. if somebody gets in trouble? Like, what if, like, somebody's sick or has a heart attack? Or... So they said uh, nobody has ever, you know, failed. Nobody's ever had any huge problems like that. And I think that's because the, the level of the competitor that shows up there is so elite. Mm. And these people are so mentally tough that uh, even if they fail, they come back you know there I think at one point somebody shows up after like like they left on their loop and they come back like 20 hours later you know um, which means they got hopelessly lost and managed to to come back down but, uh, you know they like 
these people come out and they are just like bleeding. Um, their legs oh are God. shredded from like nettles and briars. Uh, you know, and, like after the first lap, like some guy bites it in a creek and is like bleeding from the head and taps out oh after the first God. first loop. Um, so <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just this strange little thing that is only known to a handful of people and is considered maybe the most challenging trail race in the world. Uh, just just kind of a fascinating glimpse of this little little culture of incredibly dedicated and tough endurance runners. Um, you know, I guess almost everybody that applies to this race has some sort of postgraduate degree. They're all, you know, these really driven, obsessive people mm -hmm. looking for a way to to prove themselves. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it's on Netflix right now. It's called Barkley, the Barkley Marathons, not Berkeley, Barkley Marathons. It's uh, it's worth and it's I don't even think it's an hour and a half long. Um, it's interesting and uh, worth checking out. So I I think that's gonna do it for our media hot takes. Sadly, we'll be right back with a spoiler-free review of Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage. Xander Cage? Cage. I want to say Cruz every time. It's Cage. I wish it was Xander Cruz. We were talking about something I liked. We'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, with a review of Triple X. The 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 Return I, of I just don't I don't have it. I, I this movie uh, just dug into my skin and pulled out my life. The essence of my being. Yeah, the so they show the scene in the trailers, but there's a scene where I was I was laughing out loud. I was the only one in the theater laughing, at, and there were only five of us, so it was kind of awkward. Yeah. Laughing out loud, like through a lot of the movie, and it wasn't like always an amused laughter. Sometimes it was an ironic laughter. Uh, like the the first scene, like, and I love Donnie Yen, and he's super charismatic, and mm -hmm. he steals every scene of You're the right. film he's in. You're right, and. He's just so much more interesting than every other part of the movie. But the first scene of the film involves him breaking into this building, sort of. And he's just, like, surrounded by armed men who are shooting at him and not hitting him for, like, <laughs> extended, <laughs> extended amount of time. Mm. And it's they, they don't even try. And then you have Vin Diesel... Who jumps off of a... At least 50 feet. Maybe 75 oh, feet. Like 100 feet. Just, yeah. Well, he jumps off of it, and then he, he jumps off of like a... Radio tower? Yeah, it, or, you know, some some sort of tower. Um, but he doesn't even land, like, on the ground. He falls past it, and then is just skiing down oh. a mountain in the rainforest. And I was cracking up. And I was I was thinking like, okay, maybe this movie is gonna be I'm with you on that. Is gonna be like so over the top, it's gonna be fun. But it wasn't. Like 
it doesn't maintain that mm-hmm. absurd tone. It no. takes itself seriously when it doesn't need to in some places. Um, the action beats are very inconsistent. The film suffers from an unbelievable amount of shaky cam considering it has fucking Donnie Yen and Tony Jaa. Yeah, right. It's, it's, you don't... And Michael Bisping, who yeah. I'm sure can throw... Who can do Hollywood cinematography or Hollywood choreography, rather. Like, yeah. you don't need... You don't need to edit and film the movie this way where I am, like, getting dizzy trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Uh, just... Um... Yeah, so... <laughs> the movie's ridiculous. It's uh, <laughs> tries to sell the this idea of sort of existing in our world, but also existing in its own reality, and the idea that Vin Diesel's character is still this international superstar phenom even though he's like fallen off the grid for the last 10 years simultaneously um and it just it doesn't even feel like the first triple x movie at all no you're right which which there's there's so i guess there's no logical or internal consistency to this movie uh, which at least the last one had going for it. It knew it was ridiculous and over the top, but it made sense and it stuck with what it promised, which is you take it's it's a silly idea, but yeah. it was fun. You take right. an international extreme sports superstar and turn him yeah. into a secret agent. Right. That's everybody funny. knows who he is, but he's still yeah. a secret agent. And they didn't try and overcomplicate it or turn it into some some other genre film like and this is just there's there's nothing believable or consistent about what happens in this film and like you mentioned if that was the the case if if that's what they were going for was just making it totally batshit insane yeah I w- like Gonzo I thought yeah, I was like just, oh we're we're gonna get like a fucking Gonzo action film whatever like, cool I'm down for that like I, I just, I mean, there, I have so many issues. They go, I kind of go beyond this movie too with Vin Diesel, and uh, he's just, he, I don't feel like he's a good action movie star. Like, the guy's fifty years old, but he's not. I don't know. I don't want to say he's not jacked because he is jacked, but he doesn't. He's not this physical specimen in real life. Like he's, he's kind of short. He's stocky, but he's not like this. Hawking brute, man. Well, he's not. He's not short. He's just not. He's not the Rock. He so right. He just. So, he doesn't look like he did in Triple X. He does not look like uh, a right, right, bodybuilder right. anymore. Right. He looks like an aging guy who is still bulky and still big, but he does not. He doesn't look like a. He doesn't look like a sex symbol anymore. No, right. I agree. Uh, and and the other thing, too, is I, I have a hard time buying him as an action star because if you look... So, you know, in Fast and Furious, he's always in a car. I mean, that's what that movie is. It's 
it's considered an action movie because there's action beats, but most of them take place in vehicles. There's a little bit of hand-to-hand fighting, but it's not the center of the movie. This movie is a lot of choreography, a lot of fighting. And the there's a scene where he's fighting Dunny Dunny Wynn, and I thought that could be a very interesting scene. But you can, I feel like you have somebody who is way way up here, and somebody who's way way down here on their ability, and it's just, I mean, he, he's fifty years old. He's 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 slower. He, it just, it's not, it wasn't, it's just not, not hit. This can't be his role going. If you're going to be an action star, this can't be the type of roles that you take. No, and, and the amount of time that we're seeing Vin Diesel's character on screen, where it's actually Vin Diesel, is laughable. Like, yeah. yeah. I th- probably like a third to a half of this movie, you're, you're looking at a stunt double. And, and it's so obvious. It's so obvious. And he, he just, he's he's like, he looks slow and he looks mm-hmm. older. Yeah. And that's fine. Like, but don't try and pull off this this role, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just. Uh, or or th- there's a way you can write that. He's an aging, like, he yeah. can't do the things. That's why he needs a team. He didn't have a team in the first one. That's why he needs a team. But then again, this team is so stupid. Like, what do they do? Who are they? You have you have a sharpshooter. Okay, that's great. She's a sharpshooter. You have a guy who puts a mouthpiece in and runs into stuff with his. I, I don't even. What what does he do? And then you have a DJ who literally, when they they have little captions, it says he's fun to be around. It's just the dumbest thing in the world. Like it doesn't like you're assembling this team. Great, but only one of them really. Well, brings it, it was to just it. it was just an attempt at staying with the conventions of the. The, the film had had already established and That's to true. and to be subversive like he doesn't need to be a badass he's just he's a fucking ballin' DJ yeah you know That's like so... and it's kind of it's kind of cute but it is it's it's a conceit and it doesn't work like it's good as a one note conceit but they don't they don't do anything with it um, no no they don't you're right and that's the other thing is like the last third of the film it kind of you kind of move away from the team aspect even though like because they're, they're separated which is kind of an interesting idea like the but it just Vin Diesel's part in that is just so I don't yeah all right so the all right let's let's break it down um the, the film is not over the top gonzo fun it's not. um they try and sell Vin Diesel and his character as something that was not believable to us. The narrative is unnecessarily complicated um, and and totally transparent. And mm-hmm. it it just it makes the movie take so long to get where it's getting, and it the movie's long too. There, it's there's like just hours. yeah. Like there's so many more interesting, fun ways to write this film, um, and I, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. the The cinematography is problematic. The direction was so bland and forgettable that I realized I like couldn't remember anything mm-hmm. about it uh, after the film was done. Um, there, the women are 
are just objects and throw themselves at <laughs> Xander uh, for no reason. Um, you know, the, the, so the two women characters are, that are in this film that I, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I loved Nina Dobrev's uh, Becky. I thought that she actually understood what kind of movie she was in. Her the character felt appropriate, but then the way so we gotta skirt spoilers here. But the way they introduce her character, I agree, is just so. It's like we okay, we get it. Every woman in the world just wants to fuck Xander. <laughs> That's that is the purpose of their existence. Yeah, yeah. like we get it. You yeah. fucking chauvinist. Get on with the movie. I agree. Um, I I agree hundred percent with what you're saying. But I also think Tony Collette did an okay job. I feel like she knew what movie she was in as well. Her acting was so over the top and bad that I don't think she was mailing it in either. I feel like she was like, this is ridiculous. I'm just going to be ridiculous in it. Like, some of her one-liners are just so... I mean, his... Vin Diesel's one-liners are objectively bad. They're just conceived poorly. They're... It's not funny. They're not cute. They're not witty. It's just stupid. Yeah. Hers are... Not witty, but they're not dumb. They're like, it's like they're it's a parody of an actor, like a, a villain of some sort. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and and again, like we have these weird inconsistent elements or t- inconsistent tone. Yeah, the there's yeah. Um, so there's something there's man there's something else I was gonna say. There there's so many characters in this film for no reason. <laughs> there for is no reason. There's the, there are like, like twelve characters. Yeah, they're like twelve characters, and none of them. Like, two, three of them, you don't even know their names until you see the credits. They don't serve any purpose no. except being these weird sort of visual foils that don't... I don't know. And I don't understand. They got Tony Gonzalez to, like, the the Can- old Kansas City Chiefs and Atlanta Falcons tight end to start... Like, what? Why is he in this... Uh, what? Are you supposed to know who Tony Gonzalez is? Like... Unless you follow football pretty closely, you're gonna be like, that dude may look familiar. Like it you know what I mean? I don't really know who I mean who I, so it's kind of a spoiler who he is, but he's one of the soldiers. Oh, okay. Alright, yeah. I know who you're talking about. But we'll get to that. I, I don't know. I think we should just move on to spoilers because I don't really know. This movie's yeah. bad. Don't see it. It wasn't it wasn't the fun action romp we wanted it to be. This movie is objectively worse in every way than the first triple mm-hmm. x film was in fact the entire time i wish i was watching the first triple x film yeah because that film had tone total consistency that film knew what it was uh this film had no idea what it was but it wasn't good and i think one of the big problems too is in 2002 you bought vin diesel's coolness yeah and this it came off as like pandering yeah and well and yeah, I mean, he was he could he could pull off not just his coolness, the role. Yeah, um, the he could sell his his sexuality. He could be a badass. He could be convincing and move quickly and be <laughs> yeah. just not not anything he was in this film. So uh, we'll be right back to talk a bunch more shit about Triple X. <laughs> So I legitimately 
started to get up and walk out of this film, uh, and then I kind of sat back down. Do you want to guess? <laughs> you want to guess what scene it was? No. What what scene was it? It's the scene where Vin Diesel is chasing Donnie Yen over cars, oh, yeah, and then through traffic. And they get, get hit by cars car. <laughs> doing like 40 miles an hour. And then they're on the ground laughing at each other. <laughs> and I'm just like, is this, are we back here? Like, is what movie is this? Like, why weren't we doing this the whole time? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Why? But, but it, this doesn't fit anymore. And like, what the fuck am I watching? They both just got murdered by cars. <laughs> they both got murdered. And then they get up and like shake it off and keep running. And now they're friends. Right. I mean, see, that kind of, like, I don't really care about character inconsistencies in this movie. I would have been fine if that was like, oh, we got hit by a car. Let's... If that, if, if like you, you mentioned earlier, if the batshit craziness from the very beginning, if, if they can, if, if you live in a world where you, where these people are so athletic that they can absorb a blow from a car, okay, that's fine. But go there. Just go all out. Don't, like, there's moments where they try to hold back and you're just like, what? I don't. Like, you know what? I I honestly, when they were riding those dirt bikes, on, yeah. instead of just saying, fuck it, the, the dirt bikes can drive on water, they have to have them, you know, turn into skis or whatever. I'm like, dude, just go for it. Who cares? At this point, I don't care. The CGI was horrible. CGI was so bad in this movie. Was, At every point. Yeah. Every point there was CGI, I'm like, this is awful. They're walking into the back of a plane, and you can tell that the that it's a set. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like this. That's just basic CGI now. Like today in the in today's cinema, there's no reason you should ever know they're on a set if that if, if that is. Key. It's like any like they're shooting on location in in Detroit. Maybe maybe they're not because ha- some of the scenes are CGI'd. I don't. Yeah, and so like they tried. What was this supposed to be like a Mission Impossible film? It's because called, that's what I felt yeah, like. I felt like, like it was Triple X Mission Impossible yeah. edition. Yeah, uh, no, you're you right. don't need a cast of a million characters, none of whom serve any purpose in the film. No, I agree. Donnie Yen is so charismatic and could be a phenomenal bad guy mm-hmm. or a phenomenal good guy. Um, his his English is is so good. Like he, yeah, you're right. He is so fast and so precise and so charismatic. And I just wanted to be. I wanted the camera to be on him. I, uh, and I agree. It wasn't. It kept following slow dad bod Vin Diesel around. Like he's walking in mud. Oh my god. Like and that's the problem too. Is and I in my head I was trying to reconcile. The problem is you put Donnie Wynn and Tony Ja, two guys who are super fast, super quick, super athletic against Vin Diesel, who is not that guy anymore. He, he he's he's plotting and slow and but they don't even really give him much fight choreography no. in the film. And then what they do, like the part with Tony Gonzalez at the end, just like it's it, it is a visual disaster. It is where you can't <laughs> put you that can't. on a poster. <laughs> you can't follow you can't follow the movement of the film. It's a neat idea, okay? Just take them to space. Is it though? Is it no, a neat idea? No, th- this is the thing. <laughs> take them to outer space. Why not? Why, why? Just do it. Just take them to outer space. Yeah, and like for a film that is supposed to be about absurd action star turned super spy, the 
the amount of time spent just relying on bad action movie convention mm-hmm. is is astounding. Like yeah. it feels when when you know like when he flies a plane into a satellite like that is a triple X movie. Yeah, exactly. When he's chasing somebody across cars, that's a triple X movie. When he jumps off of a radio tower and skis down a rainforest mountain, <laughs> that's a triple X movie. But all the the ridiculous, unnecessary crap in between, I don't know what that was, but it didn't work, Mm-mm. and I wasn't buying it. Uh, the the grenade scene went on way too long. Yeah, uh, it just like there, there were a lot of scenes that went on that went on too long. The shootout, the last scene went on too long. Like the the shootout. Like I, like I said, I kind of liked the way they cut it up, where you had the t- like they were going back and forth. It kind of broke up the. Some some of the monotony of the action, but yeah, except once again you have these this team of like six people that are wearing their bullet deflecting yeah. nobody personal gets... shields. They, they they killed like fifty guys at least. They're literally they're the 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 visual the use of space the visual consistency is so bad for the direction editing that. I felt like they were constantly surrounded by people. Yes, like I agree. They had no cover. The, yeah, right. But they were just like, and oh my god, the scene where the the two female characters just go back to back. I immediately thought of you. And they're just scene, they're people, holding guns oh sideways and like oh like wanted style. People are throwing just bullets at these like people dressed like Delta, like yeah, 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 yeah. are just waiting in out of cover. Firing at them full auto, and just getting mowed down by these two women spinning in a circle with their pistols <laughs> held like gangsters. Uh, like that is not that's not what gangsters. I want to see. Yeah. Like that's not that's not interesting. That doesn't fit the theme of the film. There's nothing no. extreme about any of these people. <laughs> no. Ex- I mean, I just. Like, how do they? How do they even fit into the idea that they were recruited by this organization? Like, what? Okay, Donnie Yen, yeah, yeah. sure. Like, yeah, I mean, Michael Bisping, sure. No, how about like even Michael Bisping? Like, uh, I, I guess you're right. Yeah, he's not Michael Bisping that, in this that, universe, even though Neymar is Neymar in this universe. Yeah, the good point. Uh, like, so what did like what did he have to offer? He was he could beat people up. Like, what's ex- he's not extreme. There's That's, nothing extreme yeah, about that. Yeah, good point. I, I don't. And then like Tony Jaw shows up and he does that little thing with his neck. I'm just yeah. like, what? I don't see. I kind of I kind of enjoyed that. Like at least he was bringing something different or like at least he was having fun with his. No, I, I agree. I, you know, I, he added. He had so little screen time, and did. at least he added some character to what we were watching. He was fun and eccentric. Yeah. Like, that's better than I could say about every other supporting character in the film, except for, you know, maybe Ruby Rose. But I mean, but she didn't even have a lot of... She had, like, six lines. She she had more dialogue than most of the other that's ones, That's true. Uh, so... She's super edgy because she shoots poachers and lets lions eat them. Yeah. And <laughs> tattoos. And has tattoos. So, Deepak uh, Pat. Padukone? I don't know how to say her name. Uh, Deepika Padukone? 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 I don't know. Padukone? Padukone? Yeah, sure. Uh, she plays Serena Unger in the in the movie. I so instead so at the end of the movie she kisses Vin Diesel. Oh. I so wanted her 
It's like watching somebody make out with their dad. I so want, but I there was like this part of me. I'm like, they're gonna subvert this. She's gonna go over and she's gonna kiss Ruby Rose. No, and that's not what they did. I I so wanted that to happen, and it, but the thing is, I don't think Vin Diesel was self deprecating enough to do that to to himself. There there's so many so like the beginning he he steals this thing and skis down this mountain and then just inexplicably <laughs> is rewarded by sex, sex yeah. and then there's this shot of like them pouring like salt out of this <laughs> truck i was like is this real <laughs> is this happening and then but then it it's like that's funny but then the next scene like with women in it like he's Paying for this intelligence information by pleasuring this harem of hacker girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's not fun. That's, that's just, it's just gross and insulting. Like, you, you do it once and that's fine because you made it. He made it silly with the mm-hmm. the ejaculation <laughs> yeah. visual metaphor, but then just immediately. Uh, no, that, ruin, that scene ruin any goodwill I've established. Yeah, for that it. scene was really hard to watch because it just it you just felt disgust. You felt just icky afterwards. You're like, <laughs> you don't want to have sex with Vin Diesel. I know you don't. Like, and it, the way they set it up is like kind of cool because she's like going to act like she's going to kiss him, and then she's like, but no, and walks away. And you're like, oh, she's going to do it just because she likes the guy or she wants to screw with the government, whatever. Yeah. But no, no, it's like here here you go. Here's five concubines. Go ahead, and it just is so degrading. I yeah, I'm with you. And then he wakes up and he's like, they're all pass out, completely satisfied in every way. I'm just like, dude, come get over yourself. I just yeah, that part I could have done without. And he looked so they brought back the coat from the first movie. He looked ridiculous in it this time. It was like I mean he's like kind of he's not as big as he once was, and he's not as like well they. So so you're relying on the audience's memory from this film that they probably didn't see that came out like 11 years ago. Oh, it was 15 years 15 ago. 15 years ago. And we don't remember that character. Yeah. We don't remember that character. Right. You can't just... You, can't, you know what? Never mind. The other thing that I thought was really weird uh, about the marketing of this movie... So it's kind of like a twist in the movie that... Ice Cube shows up. It's, and I kind of forgot that he was even in the marketing material, but it's like dial nine if you need help. And they dial nine, and then Ice Cube shows up. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I forgot that he was supposed to be in this movie at all, and he's shooting a grenade launcher. It just, it was really weird. And then he sees. He sees Vin Diesel and he's like, the legendary Xander Cage, my man, my dude. Like, it just, it was so weird. It's the weirdest cameo. Here's my dialogue, creating exposition for your character's relevance in this universe. (laughs) I brought your car back. Yeah, exactly. It just seems, I don't know. It was, it was. Forced, contrived, awful. Not how you, not how you make a film. And, you know, like, I, I get like oh it might be kind of cool fan if this if this IP meant anything to anybody if anybody had seen State of the Union the the movie with Ice Cube which apparently is worse than this movie I, I I've never seen it but apparently Ice Cube was even <laughs> even worse um, 
even even with ice action star, is, the yeah, star. I mean, Ice Cube is is even less of a believable action star, but at least he like is not capable of taking himself seriously. You know, that's true. That, like that, at I mean, least I, it'd be fun watching him, right? Yeah. No, I I I I, I see, and I I mean. Yeah, Ice Cube. Anytime Ice Cube's on screen, he's he is kind of fun. Yeah. But it just it. I just felt like you had this opportunity to have a cameo, and you the very first trailer you put out, you throw him in. I don't know. It just seemed weird to me. It seemed. I mean, there's a movie. This there's part a reason, for the course. Well, there well there's a reason this movie was dumped in January too. You know, I mean, it's well they weren't expecting much out of it, and I guess they. I, I don't know why. Why did they do this? Why did they make this movie? Uh, Why know. does this movie exist? I don't know. Not, nobody knows. Uh, so, I'm tr- how did how did they talk studios into greenlighting this movie? Like, are they? I guess it's all just banking on Vin Diesel's relevance, and Vin Diesel has not really done much since his big break. Well, he He's, hasn't really had any hits other than Fast and the Furious. Well, He's had I mean, a lot of flops. So, Pitch Black is a was a critical success. Yeah. And it spawned a franchise. The second one wasn't, though. The second one failed. Chronicles of Riddick was one of those... One of the few movies I have not sat through all the way. Yeah. Because it was so... I was so bad, I turned it off. <laughs> it was so bad. One of the worst movies. And I love Carl Urban, too. Yeah. That's the sad part. Like, he's the king of camp. Um, yeah. No, so, I, I... Yeah. But so he... All right, so he's been in this, which is now a franchise. He's been in Fast and Furious. He's been in... Pitch Black, Riddick movies, and The Last Witch Hunter. Yeah. So, like, four things. It just doesn't really feel like he was ever... Oh, and he was in that one ridiculous apocalypse movie. <laughs> oh, uh... What was that? That movie... Uh, Babylon something. Babylon AD. Yes, there he goes. That, that movie, actually, I liked the plot of that movie. And then it just... It was... It was bad, but it was bad. So, I'm trying to find the lyrics to the song that ended the, um, the, the movie, the Ice Cube song, because did you listen, did you listen to any of that? It, I mean, it was like a triple X Ice Cube song, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm trying to find the lyrics to it. I think this is I think this is it. I could be wrong. You ready for the lyrics? To the, I guess. Lay it on me. Um. <laughs> I walks in with that California swagger, with the attitude that ain't nothing badder. Now you can call me a rapper or you can call me a Mister Big Money Trapper. Fucking with your sister, I'm gonna do it my way. I'm here from Zimbabwe. <laughs> it's too hot today. Fuck what you got to say. Ain't gonna take my sunshine like I hit the lottery. Ah, he's a show off, a hothead, go off. Yeah, don't make me mad. He might tear the fucking door off. Take all his cars and don't try to fall. Cause one of his people might cut your fucking toe off. Ice Cube Baby. <laughs> <laughs> make you take him serious. Uh, yeah, that's uh <laughs> Those, that, those are some lyrics right there. I feel like it would have been better if when 
if he had said it, or at least it would have rhymed a little bit more. But yeah, that's not that's not good. That's not. A <laughs> that's, good not that's not an A plus effort from Ice Cube. The guy who brought us today was a good day. That's that's not. Uh, we we I feel like we've rambled on for way too long about this movie. Um, yeah. So the the one good thing about this movie is we've now had two big American Hollywood films with uh, Donnie Yen uh, in yeah. a a. Meaty supporting role, yeah. Um, and hopefully we get more because uh, he is a again. I, you know, I think I've already said it, but he's he is fun fun to watch on screen. He's a talented, charismatic uh, guy. So. Yeah, I agree. He was awesome. I really enjoyed his performance in this and uh, Rogue One. He was amazing in. Yeah, if you're looking for a kung fu movie and you've never seen the Ip Man films, uh, go watch Ip Man and Ip Man 2. I haven't seen the third one, so I'm not going to vouch for that. Yeah, but. I haven't either. I've seen the first one, I agree. first one's really good. I haven't, I haven't seen the other ones, but yeah, uh, definitely agree with Colin on that one. Um, I guess we're going to be seeing Rings? Mm, oh, God. Yeah, probably. You guys seem to love horror movies, and yeah, we are uh, not above pandering. <laughs> Although sometimes it bites us in the ass, like when we go see movies like Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage. Yeah. But uh, let's we can check real quick here. I I don't remember anything else. Yeah, I think this is the last week where we don't have a lot of choice. And then the seventeenth, there are like you know two good films basically. Yeah. Um, two movies that we'd enjoy watching at least, or at least trying to see, uh, at least giving them a shot. Yeah. Rings, I don't think we have a lot of hope for. I have absolutely no hope. Rings yeah. zero. Yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't. Yeah, whatever. You, like we know the plot, and it <laughs> yeah. doesn't have Naomi Watts in it, right. and it doesn't have. Uh, oh, what's his name? Famous Canadian actor, Greek Brian Cox. Doesn't Brian have Brian Cox, Cox yeah. in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, whatever. Um, but on so on the 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 ninth or tenth, we have John Wick Chapter Two. Then we have the week after that, A Cure for Wellness. Um, That's going to be a fun one, I feel I'm, like. I'm also curious about The Great Wall. <laughs> I, so I am too. Um, there was a trailer that I hadn't watched for it in, in front of mine. And um, they tried to explain a little bit why there's white white men in this movie. So that was interesting. Yeah, yeah fun. It was fun. Um, <laughs> what is whitewashing? Uh, <laughs> they, maybe don't hurt me. Uh, Ghost in the Shell. White Savior. I've never heard of that trope before. <laughs> uh, don't forget to email us at midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. Thanks again for all your emails this week. Thanks for your votes. If you haven't voted, we'd love it if you voted for us. Appreciate words. Appreciate all the votes. Um, we yes. love you all. We, we dream about you. Yep. We'll uh, catch you on the flip side. Okay, bye. Bye.